Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now to this week's episode of Explain Yourself. I'm Benjamin Morse, your host. Uh, we've got two great creators here to talk about some active campaigns, Matt Knowles and Wells Thompson. Uh, so we're going to bring them in and have them tell us about these uh, these great campaigns they have active right now. So Matt and Wells, thanks for coming What's on up? the show. Hey, you how you doing? What's going on? Doing great. So guys, um, can't, the books look great, but I'm going to ask each of you, uh, we'll start with you, Matt to just give us a 30 second pitch on your book and then Wells will go right over to you and then we'll get more in depth on each of them. So uh, I Am Keto is the tragic tale of an empire's ultimate demise. It is uh, fictional Far East fantasy. Uh, it is a fantasy horror. Think Mortal Kombat and Soul Calibur meets Mad Max. Uh, it is an extension of the Heirs of a Sealed Universe. We are super stoked about this book. It's an 80 page graphic novel and we can't wait to be able to talk more about this uh, tonight on the show. But first, we're going to kick it down to Wells Thompson over here and let him do his thing. <laughs> to Wells Absolutely. Thompson. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm running a book called Frankenstein the Unconquered. It is an action horror comic about uh, Frankenstein's monster thawing from the ice 500 years in the future to discover a bombed out post-apocalypse as broken and hostile as he is. Uh, he attempts to live a normal life. It does not go well for him. So now he wakes up every day and chooses violence. Uh, it's very Conan the Barbarian with Halloween monsters. It's a lot of fun. Great for uh, Spooktober and uh, and the Witchtober uh, campaign that uh, Kickstarter is running. And uh, yeah, going to be a lot of fun. We have uh, two pages, or we have two issues that we're running at once. Uh, so 40 new pages, 80 total for uh, the newcomers. Sounds good. So um, I think probably the coolest thing would just be, let's um, bring up some of these campaigns. Uh, Wells, we'll just go right into yours. Um, if you can bring up your campaign page and show off um, some of the artwork, uh, show us where the, uh, where the campaign's at, um, and we'll just kind of go through it. Absolutely. Uh, let me bring it up real quick. 
There we go. Joey Galvez is in the chat. Yo, right back at you. What up, Joey? All right, all right. So, yeah, yeah. Frankenstein the Unconquered. Uh, the I I have to shout out, first and foremost, uh, the all the design was done by uh, Brenda Snell. She is incredible. She is uh, my right-hand man in all of this uh, and, and really helps bring all this to life. But, uh, yeah, we break it down. Uh, we try to break it down as attractively as possible, show kind of the overview of the story, uh, give a preview of some of the covers you're going to see, uh, which we, we indulge in the uh, not-safe-for-work cover on, on Frankenstein the Unconquered. Uh, it's appropriate for the content. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this basically just goes over kind of what I explained earlier, 500 years in the future, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a really beautiful splash page by Mary Landro from our uh, first issue. Uh, and then a quick breakdown of each of the four uh, issues that we're, uh, we're running. One and two are completely done, so you'll get the digital versions of those right away if you uh, need them. And then three and four are the ones we're working on right now. Uh, some sample pages. Awesome, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so this is, uh, these. the interiors are done by uh, Elizabeth McKedzie. Uh, she's a phenomenal Georgian artist. Uh, she just started on the team, and she has uh, just a beautiful eye for the kind of rough, uh, uh, visceral world of Frankenstein the Unconquered. Uh, Dahlia Maha still in colors, Nathan Kempf on letters. Uh, everything just shines through, and... Uh, and you really get the sort of visceral, again, dirty feel of the world. Uh, chapter three, Tomb of the Beast. We're dealing with Mr. Hyde uh, of Dr. Jekyll fame. And uh, one of my favorite uh, pages we've ever done is this uh, punch into the crack into uh, being experimented on. Uh, definitely one of the most fun kind of montages we've been able to make. Uh Quick breakdown of the rewards. We've got uh, digital copies uh, for uh, uh, issues three and four. We're doing two issues at once so we can get you more material, uh, more story at one time. Uh, we've got the digital catch-up. If uh, you are new to the series, uh, we package everything together, make sure that uh, you've got what you need. Uh, physical copies start at 20 bucks with the... Uh, with the Heather Vaughn covers. Uh, she is our series uh, uh, cover artist, and she is incredible. She does a really good job packaging everything together. Uh, the uh, variant covers are the next one up. Uh, issue three is Fernando Pinto. He's an incredible artist. He works on Mechaton with us, as well as uh, uh, Kung, uh, some Legend of the Kung Fu Dragon Master, I think is what it's called, uh, and Gun Punch and a couple of other really cool comics. Uh, and then Kara uh, Husset, who works on The Sparrow, uh, did the issue four with the Invisible Man and the Blob. Um, physical catch-up tier, again, for newcomers, we want to uh, get you all packaged together, make sure you've got everything. Not safe for work covers. This one's very popular. I don't feel the need to explain why. Uh <laughs> Uh, Flop, uh, Chris Sheehan and Flops do the uh, do the covers for these, and they are incredible artists. Uh, really happy to have them on board. Uh, we have some really beautiful hollow point foil uh, covers for uh, for uh, Heather Vaughn's artwork. Uh, if you like all those covers, you don't want to choose. We give you everything in the collector's tier, uh, and starting here, I think they get the, this is ten percent off of what it would normally be. 
So you start to save money as you go up. Uh, at $150, 25% off everything. That's all the covers and all of the uh, add-ons, all the Frankenstein the Unconquered related add-ons, which are numerous, including an enamel pen. That's the first time we're doing that one. Big wolf head. Uh, collectors catch up. If you're brand new to the series and you like all of the covers, like having all the colors, like collecting everything, we again have you covered. And uh, it is, uh, again, I think 10% off on this one. Uh, and then our the thing that we do that's unique is the adopt a page. Since everything we do is digital, uh, we don't have physical pages to give to our backers, but we still want uh, them to have a bit of ownership. So uh, if you buy it this tier, you get the foil covers, you get uh, your name in the book that says that you adopted a page. You get to look at the books first and choose which page you want uh, to adopt. Uh, we put your name on the page. So like down here uh, as an example. Uh, and we send you an 11 by 17 print uh, of the page that you adopt. So in every in every which way you uh, you own the page. And uh, we let the world know that you own that page. So that will carry over to the uh, trade, by the way. Uh, Add-ons, we have plenty of them uh, for you to choose from. Stickers, uh, we have our uh, A covers. We have a trading card that was a stretch goal from the last uh, campaign uh, featuring stats and, and uh, secret uh, Easter eggs about Frankenstein. Uh, name recognition. We only have so much space uh, to put, so we can't put everyone's name on it as much as we would like to put the you know, 400, 500 names that we're going to have on this thing. So $5, you get uh, your name in the book. Uh, annotated script, uh, scripts of uh, issues one and two. We have three and four as well. So if you like director's cut commentary, that's where you can find it. Dalton and I have a blast uh, going through the script and kind of explaining step-by-step step how we put it together and, and what we were thinking about doing the story. Uh, digital catch-up, if you if you want to grab the physicals but what needs some digital catch-up, that's there for you. Um, we have this uh, beautiful $10 print, originally by Flops. This is the first thing we got from him and, and have just been working with him ever since. Uh, it's a comic-sized uh, cover that was our first kind of appearance of uh, Frank, uh, The Bride of Frankenstein, which is now a mainstay character in the series. Again, annotated scripts. This is really cool. That stocks the dam. We have a tabletop RPG. So that is a uh, a, a role playing game that you a one shot that you can do with uh, three to five uh, friends. It takes place in the world of Frankenstein the Unconquered. You are trying to hunt Frankenstein down because he destroyed your village. Uh, and there are twists and turns. There are multiple branching paths to take. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I really can't recommend it enough. Uh, for for everything that we put into it. Um, we worked on it with uh, a friend of ours. Uh, who, oh, I, I feel bad. I'm forgetting his name. I'll remember it here in a second. But uh, but we, a, a friend of ours from uh, Arkansas that also has a, a comic book out called Curses, and I highly recommend you watch that as well. Uh, all that to say, uh, we have an enamel pen for the first time, this uh, wolf head enamel pen, uh, the art by... Uh, 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 Heather Vaughn. Uh, it's going to be really cool. Uh, people love enamel pins, so we wanted to uh, get on the game on that, give people what they want. Uh, our variant cover series you can get for 10 bucks each. Uh, sign my comics. Unfortunately, I can't. Uh, again, signing comics is, is a lot of labor, and I, I usually I started out doing a separate tier for it. 
Uh, but I figured the easier way to do it would be if you want it, pick this and whether you get uh, the one, like a single tier comic where you get two comics, three and four, or you get all the comics that we offer, I will sign all of them for you if you get this. So if you like signed comics, that's the one for you. By Visibility Anthology, that's an anthology that I'm a part Very of. Cool What's up? Huh? Sorry, I did. You came in there for a second, but. Uh, oh, no, What's up? Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Gotcha. Sorry about that. Um, I yeah couldn't couldn't quite hear you. Um, by Visibility Anthology is an anthology uh, that I was asked to be a part of by Kat Calamia. Um, she's a really cool creator out of Baltimore. She just did a monster campaign through the Beast and Snow. This was one of her first ones. Uh, and yeah, I'm the second story in there. Uh, RC covers are not safe for work covers. Those are available at 15 bucks each. Uh, you can get all of uh, Mechaton, uh, number one through five. Those are That's our uh, other series that we do. That's very all-ages sci-fi. It's a lot of fun. Uh, $15 digital. Uh, we have, this was a stretch goal from the last campaign as well. Big virgin uh, artwork of uh, our Not Safe Work cover from issue number two. It is beautiful. I still have a bunch of those in my basement. So please, uh, I, I don't want to be a hoarder. Uh, please pick those up. Uh, Descent into Dread. This was our uh, first book that we ever did. It's a horror anthology, black and white, uh, 12 artists, or 11 artists on board, 12 stories. Uh, really incredible stuff. And and the first appearance of, of the character of Frankenstein the Unconquered. Um, we are offering all of our foil covers, which we don't normally do, but they're really popular for Frankenstein. So we wanted to bring them back, make sure people had a chance to pick them up if they wanted them. Uh, Mechaton number one through five, that's the entire first arc. You can pick it up for 25 bucks. Uh, those are the physical copies of it. By Visibility 2, the sequel, uh, that's available as well. And from the Static Anthology, this is the Band of Bards horror anthology uh, that I have the first story in uh, called The Infants that I did with Rachel Allen Everett. Uh, it's a really cool story. I definitely recommend uh, checking it out if you can. Uh, just some extra information for those who are interested. Target market, if you like things like Bloodborne, Something is Killing the Children, Barbaric, Fight Club, uh, Hack, and, or Hack Slash Fangs, uh, uh, Cabin in the Woods, things like that. You'll really enjoy this book. Uh, we do a quick breakdown of why we're doing two books together. We show off the creative team, which that's me. Uh, Elizabeth McKedsey is the, is the series artist. She's absolutely phenomenal. Delia Maha is the colorist. Uh, Brazilian colorist, fantastic. Nathan Kempf is a great letterer. He is going to win an Eisner one day. Uh, Brenda Snell, our designer. Heather Vaughn, our series cover artist. And for issues one and two, uh, Mary Landra was the uh, interior artist. So we wanted to give her some props as well uh, for being a part of the team. Uh, quick breakdown of the budget, if you're interested. Timeline, we're hoping to get everything out uh, in March. Uh, for physical rewards, uh, we, we will hopefully have it done before then, but that's our kind of conservative estimate. And then a breakdown of how we uh, ship and print everything. So pretty thorough in terms of the, uh, the thing there. Oh, and we got a backer. Very nice. Uh, while we were doing that. Um, and there's uh, the Bride of Frankenstein with her uh, Florence Puh, uh Chinese censorship dress. 
to make the uh, make the banner uh, happy. So that is that is Frankenstein the Unconquered. Any? <laughs> Very cool. Very cool stuff. Um, I think I saw this campaign. You were launching, I think, issue two mm -hmm. in the first issue around one of the times I did the Pearl of Twilight campaigns and was really the design really stood out. It was, I stuff. remember that. Yeah. Uh, Frank. Yeah. Um, I remember Scarlet Twilight and I remember, uh, getting that, uh, or, uh, doing some collaboration with that. So yeah, totally. Um, and I think that yeah, was yeah. number two cause we would, that one really took off. Um, but yeah, the, the Frankenstein, the unconquered has always been a lot of fun to work on. It's always been a lot of fun. People have always really liked it on Kickstarter. So I'm really excited to see how far we can push this one. I think it, it's, we had a really, I had a really good uh, Kickstarter uh, just a, a month or two or yeah, a month, month and a half ago with uh, the Catskin and the Rose. I, I think the horror crowd can beat it. I think that this could be our best one ever. So I'm, uh, I'm going <laughs> to put that in your guys' hands, but. Very cool uh, to see. Yeah, um, we're gonna get. We'll get back to this, but uh, let's jump over to Matt's book um, and let him show us his campaign and uh, and give us a little bit more of a detailed uh, rundown on that. All right, let me uh, share one of my tabs here. All right, so can you guys see that? I am not seeing it in the. Oh, there it is now. All there right. All right. So this campaign is for I Am Keto. This is a Far East fantasy horror tale. Uh, before I continue telling you guys what it's about, why don't I let myself and my co-writer, my partner in crime at Insymmetry Creations, myself and Steph Cannon, we will uh, we'll do a little bit of uh, telling you what's going on here if you guys would. So Hi everyone, this is Matt and Steph from Symmetry Creations. We're here to tell you about our brand new fantasy horror epic, I Am Keto. This one-shot graphic novel expands the areas of the Sealdor universe by focusing on Keto and his time before being called to a portal. It takes place in the fictional Far East Yamran Empire and explores its tragic demise. This campaign will have all the things you come to know and love from us here at Team Insim, like collectible covers from killer artists, Training doors, stickers, socks, and custom swag from GB Leatherworks. Oh, yeah. This campaign is even going to have a brand new metal song, the I Am Keto theme song, that's debuted. In the story, you'll get to meet Keto's twin brother, Kenji, their friends, Tatsumi and Mayu, and many more from the secluded, self sustaining empire. Little do they know that the Dark Conquesters and the Soul Rippers are marauding across the continent dominating and overtaking everyone and everything in their path. That's why we say I Am Cheeto is like Mortal Kombat and Soul Calibur meets Mad Max. This is one of our favorite stories we've ever written. And if you're a fan of compelling characters, action, and twists and turns that you won't see coming, we're confident that this will be a must-have for you too. You don't want to miss this. All right, so that is our uh, promo thing that we did, promo video we cut for the uh, campaign. So the music that you hear in there is all a part of the actual theme song, Spiral Into Madness, which I've got a background in metal music. I've released multiple albums over my metal music history. Uh, we've actually done a couple of metal albums for previous titles we have for Heirs of the Sealed Door and Tales from Nocturnia. 
So this is the first song for I Am Keto, the theme song, Spiral Into Madness. Um, there's actually a lyric video for that that actually expands out a little bit on the main character, Keto Askatoyo, and uh, his plight and his inciting incident, so to speak, that's in the story. Uh, that's linked uh, in this campaign, but we'll kind of roll down the campaign a little bit and explain what's here. So uh, we said earlier, it's like Mortal Kombat and, and Soul Calibur meets Mad Max. You definitely have the, the fictional Far East vibe to it, but you definitely can see through the, the, the Dark Conquesters and the Soul Rippers that there's definitely more of a apocalyptic fantasy vibe uh, and definitely some horror aspects that, um, that rolls in there. Um, so we just unveiled, our, our backers just unlocked this cover here for Cordelia Davina. She is associated with the Soul Rippers and the Dark Conquesters. She's a character that we did not reveal until halfway through the campaign because we didn't want her to become the focus part of the beginning of the um, of the promotion because Keto and things that are happening in the Armor and Empire and, and that whole situation we wanted to be able to focus on first and then kind of roll into um, more of the Dark Conquester and Soul Ripper side. Um, we also have unlocked, we do some work with uh, GB Leatherworks. They do a lot of themed merch for us. You see we have our Soul Ripper uh, logo, Dark Dark Conquestor logo here. They've actually created some leather work that is that mimics that symbol. So there's actually wearable full handmade leather masks. Uh, there's a desktop version as well. Um, there's an eye patch for one of the characters that is uh, actually in the campaign as well. That actually that little uh, skull symbol is actually stamped onto it. And there is a, a leather hairband for one of the uh, female characters, Tatsumi, that you can also get in the campaign. Um, so and again, we're kind of going backwards because we're talking about stretch goals and all these extra things before we can get to the story. Um, but uh, we set our initial goal at 4,000. That's obviously not what we want to get in the campaign. We are super happy that we are are there, but um, we definitely need more than, than $4,000 to be able to um, produce the 80-page perfect bound book the way that we want to um, and be able to get this leather work done and all the other support merch that we do. So at 5,000 or 90 backers, there are different stretch goals there. Once we reach 5,000 and 90, which right now I think we are um, 500 and um, $510 or so away from the monetary stretch goal. And we are only nine backers away from 90 backers. Uh, you get different items at those levels. And then once we get there, we'll announce what the next stretch goals are. We definitely have some really cool stuff set up for those as well, but we got to get to the first ones first. We want to focus on the checkpoint in front of us instead of the checkpoint that's down the road. Um, so in this campaign, uh, we've got a bunch of awesome covers. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll scroll there first before we just, um, before we go down to the covers first and then come back to the story. So some of the covers that we have, the first one we have is called Waterfall Warriors. It's done by... Uh, Chess and Gwyn, they're a manga art and writing team that we've worked with before. And uh, they've created this super awesome manga style cover for us. Uh, four of our covers um, right there on a waterfall. The second cover we have is for the Majetsushi. And Majetsushi actually translates to the Conjurers. Uh, they're actually uh, a part of the Yamaran Empire, which is kind of like the good guy group. And we got Carl Moling to do this for us, who is most known for his work on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, so Carl did this cover for us. And the one-of-a-kind... Um, pencils and inks that Carl did uh, for this cover are actually available in the campaign as well. So um, if you're somebody that likes to have original cover art that's still available out there, it's one of one, uh, the Carl Moline cover art. Uh, then we've also got the cover C and D, the Dark Conquesters and Soul Rippers sides of the cover. Now, now there are Dark Conquesters and Soul Rippers on both sides. We just call them, you know, those two sides. Uh, one side for, 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 
clarity's sake, is going to be cover C is the Dark Conquester side, cover D is the Slurper side, but they're actually facing covers. So you can get the one that's got the more of the female covers on the front there, and then one with more of the male covers on the front there. And the two covers actually go together. Instead of it being a wraparound cover, we made them facing because this is 80 page perfect bound. And if you've ever looked at a perfect bound book, you know that you can't really get a good view of the front and back together. So we did not want to uh, shortchange the individuals that are, that are getting that and not be able to see that whole piece of excellent artwork together. So we made them facing covers. We also do foil covers, and that's our dual serpents logo. That's the symbol of the Yamaran Empire. Very cool stuff. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. So that's the uh, the dual serpents logo is the uh, symbol of the Yamaran Empire, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit more here in just a moment. And that's in foil. And then we have that Cordelia Divina cover that we just revealed. And every one of these covers is available as a standard cover other than that cover E, which is foil, and then also metal covers. We, so you can get cover A standard or cover AA, which is the metal version. Um, and there's packages where you can get all six of the regular covers, all six of the metal covers, or all 12 variants of the covers um, in the campaign. Uh, one thing we're also known for, um, we always have wearables, where it be shirts. We're known for our socks. Uh, this is actually going to be the fifth different version of socks that we've made. We've made them for um, Heirs of a Sealed Door, which is our steampunk time travel apocalyptic sci-fi story. We've also have a title on uh, Scout Comics called Misfits Clubhouse, which is all ages. And we've done all ages socks as well. So we are just known for having those socks and people really love those. So we have those available basically by popular demand back in our campaign. Um, again, we have the, the items from GB Leatherworks. You see our, our, our guy Harrison Hansen, who's one of the leather workers actually modeling Blazak's eye patch. And then he's uh, modeling the Soul Ripper mask. And then you've also got different variations of the uh, the Tatsumi's hairband over there as well, different colors that are available for that. Um, so we'll go back up to the story really quick. So for I Am Keto, this actually follows the character Keto Askatoyo, who people that are familiar with our titles get to meet in Heirs of a Sealed or the Perilous Prospects. He was pulled through a portal into this steampunk village that's going through an apocalyptic event. And... Um, he was a character that I don't want to say was polarizing, but people were like, wow, this is not a character like we've ever seen before in, um, in Heirs of a Sealdor. So Steph and I really wanted to go back and explore um, his backstory and where he came from. And at first it was only going to be a shorter story that was just going to explore um, the, the environment that he came from. But quickly as we started writing it, we realized this needs to have its own uh, really full story development. Next thing you know, it's an 80-page perfect bound graphic novel all on its own. But uh, the Yamaran Empire is a secluded empire that is surrounded by these mystical mountains that are covered in purple orchids. And Yamaran actually translates roughly to uh, mountain empire, mountain orchid. Um, and so this empire is basically hidden from all sight from the outside. Everything the empire needs is inside the mountain borders, inside this mystical purple orchid uh, border. And so they've got everything they need inside. When you're inside the empire, um, if you are, once you get to 20 years old, if you're the firstborn, you have the opportunity to uh, display your talents to the emperor, to Emperor Kanakatu. If you, um, if he accepts you, you get moved into his inner circle and your entire family line moves up. Well, our main character, Kido, happens to be a twin. And his twin brother, Kenji, was born three minutes before him. 
So his entire life, he's known he was three minutes away from being a firstborn. So he doesn't have that um, that pressure upon him to be the the breadwinner, so to speak, the where every the, the chosen one for his household. But he's fine with that. He is uh, totally fond of being the trainer, the helper, the encourager of his brother. Um, his parents have always looked at his brother Kenji to be the one to raise his family line, uh, and they get one chance, one chance in your 21st year to try and raise into that uh, that next sect, so to speak. So we get a uh, experience life for their parents, um, for Kido and Kenji, for some of their friends, Mayu and Tatsumi, and to see how these these people um, are building towards this, this day of allotment, so to speak. And uh, it's fantasy horror, so you can already tell that things are not going to go the way that they hoped. Um, how things don't go the way they hoped, that's where you need to kind of see what's going on in the story for yourself. But, um, you know, we'll kind of leave that up to you to uh, want to dig into the story. If you're someone who has... never seen anything that we do like i'd like to know more about keto's story himself you can get a tier that says keto's full story which is um this plus heirs of the sealed or the perilous prospects books one and two and then you've also i don't have to go through all the tiers but then there's also if you want to see all of the um all the titles that we have uh, tales from nocturnia which is medieval fantasy with game of thrones world of warcraft dungeons and dragons heirs of a sealed or all of the books for that and then uh, I am Kido. You can get all of those in that extended universe. Um, we do have all, like I said, all the leatherwork and shirts and socks. And then we have other items that we've done. One of the things we love to do in our campaigns uh, is after the fact, we do a lot of incentive drawings. So if uh, you know if you're someone who has backed our campaign, say the first, the people that got us up to the minimum number of four thousand, all their names are going to go into a top hat. And we will randomly draw somebody's name that will get an extra piece of swag in their package that they've already ordered. Uh, it's something that people really love. We've given away foil covers before. We've given away shirts. We've given away, we've got a collectible colored vinyl for one of our albums. We've given away collectible colored vinyl. Uh, we like to make sure that we get, give as much value as we possibly can to our backers because we know that times are tough. We know that dollars are hard to come by right now. And we want you to feel like if you buy something from Insymmetry Creations, that you're going to get value. You're not going to get a book that is half-baked, that is a concept that doesn't have a conclusion, that we didn't know where we were going because all we thought about was having a fun character and we didn't really know where the store was going. That's not what we do. Everything we do is based on making sure that you feel like you're getting a universe you want to escape into and characters that you can relate to. Very cool stuff. It's really cool how much fun you have with you know offering all these great rewards um really just making the most of kind of the situation kickstarter is you can put in all this different stuff you have four color covers the socks a lot of fun stuff uh, i mean it shows that you're demonstrating a lot of you know you're really concerned with how much value you can deliver um but i think it really plays up like this is the sort of fun stuff we can do when we're crowdfunding our books we don't have to you know, just have a book out in the direct market where it's going to be just the book. It's a little impersonal. Um, I think you you guys both really take advantage of, hey, we're on this different platform. We have to do a lot more work ourselves, but there are a lot of ways where we can make this a lot more fun and I think a lot more involving for your backers. Um, and so mm -hmm. it's really cool to see people do stuff like that. Yeah, no, for sure. I uh, I definitely uh, value that. He he had a, a tablet issue real quick. He'll be right back. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I for sure value that uh, sort of personal touch. Uh, and it goes both ways. Like I know a lot of my repeat backers, not just personally, like I can pick them mm-hmm. out. I, I see them when I, when I ship out stuff, I do everything by hand. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it always brings a smile on my face when I see someone that I know has backed the series a bunch, uh, come back and pick up another copy. Um, and I, I want to reward that. I want to reward the, the very like small audience, personal touch that Kickstarter allows us to have, uh, you know, it would be it would be nice to get to a point where the the audience is too big to be able to uh, to do that. But uh, right now, I'm enjoying it while while I have that that sort of yeah intimate space. You there, Benjamin? All right, it's just me. And Matt is back with us, I think. Oh, wonderful. Oh, okay. Um, there we go. Right. Oh, okay. I think he's got it. He's there, but uh, maybe the camera's not on. That's my, okay. Yeah, I just, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I fin- yeah, my bad. <laughs> there he is. Yeah, but um, I guess, guys, talk a little bit about. Um, I had a question. I think you guys are both offering foil co- covers, which I really mm-hmm. like to see. Um, I've kind of been processing getting those created. Uh, how do how do we process getting those created? Sorry, you, you cut out there for a second. Yeah, like how is it is it really difficult? Process. Like, I mean, I'm not looking necessarily for numbers. Yeah, like, no, it's uh, is that a real what was the question? So is how difficult is it to get uh, those those foil covers created? Um, luckily, the the printer that I work with is uh, Comics Wellspring. They have a really uh, well laid out, uh, user friendly interface, and uh, it's pretty easy uh, to uh, yeah to to make a, a foil cover on their site. Um, both the specific and the the overall foil, which is what I do, the twelve point hollow foil, which is the whole cover. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we it, it, the only uh, real difference is that it's it's more expensive to make and it's nicer paper, so it's mm-hmm. it's definitely um, we we need to be able to calculate that in and make sure that we can uh, work that into our, our overall budget. Uh, and and I mean the the prices uh, on you know, on the campaign reflect that they're, they're, they're more expensive to get than the regular ones, but you are getting glossier paper. You are getting nicer, uh, you know, presentation value. This is something that you show off. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I, it's something that people definitely like, and I like being able to, to do it. Mm-hmm. Right, can you guys hear me now? No, it's cool to see. I definitely, I don't think it'd be appropriate for Scarlet Twilight, but for August, I really want someday to have a campaign. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, as he said too, I mean, uh, when it comes to foil, we've, we've got a lot of backers that like high-end, really nice collectible things. And so we always say, well, let, if, if they want that, let's make sure it's available. Um, one of the good things about being in indie comics is that you don't have to go, well, let's go get a minimum of a thousand of, of X thing. If you're like, especially like with metal covers, mm-hmm. um, metal covers, um, you know, those things run, you know, we sell them for like 60 bucks, but there's some people that sell them for a hundred bucks. And um, there's, there's not a big market out there for those things. 
So luckily you don't have to go get a minimum of a hundred or something. We just get enough to make sure that the part of our fan base that uh, desires those can get those and maybe a few above that so that that way we can satisfy that collector's niche. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, it's just such a fun throwback to the nineties. Um, it's great to be able to offer that. And it's awesome that so many of the small printing companies that, you know, the Kickstarter creators work with um, can offer that. I'm, I'm definitely looking to get more into trading cards, hologram covers, some of those fun extras. And it's uh, awesome to see you guys doing that. Um, Matt, I especially like your socks. My first Kickstarter, I did an apron, just trying to be fun That's with awesome. it. But uh, I like the socks a lot. <laughs> my first Kickstarter, I did a, uh, my family. I think we wrestling. ended up, we had like maybe seven or eight people. We did a... Uh... Here's some of the ones we did for Misfits Clubhouse. So we have some That's of the awesome. characters on there. Um, but we've done, um, we have like like tribal sons that we've done. We have a character in um, Misfits Clubhouse named Bruce McTutherson, aquatic investigator. And that character just screamed having socks made. But, you know, we love, we love those things. And these socks are actually really good quality. There's, there's from time to time, somebody will randomly post on Facebook. They're like, dude, I'm wearing my, in synergy creation socks right now and it's there's always like comments like me too me too oh here's me at a wedding wearing these <laughs> socks to the wedding and we're like that's what i'm talking about nice. so like steph and i no matter how i mean you see in the video that's normally the way that we dress for any live show um we always will make sure that at least one of the days we're wearing our own socks so that if somebody asks how do the socks feel we can be like well we're wearing them for an eight hour show day so they must be okay because <laughs> if, if we wouldn't wear them ourselves, then we wouldn't be selling. We shouldn't be selling them to anybody else. That's awesome. It is. And uh, Matt, I had a question for you. I noticed you. Um, like, it's really hard to know where to promote our campaigns. Um, Twitter is obviously going through a lot of stuff, changing. Instagram always seems very up or down for artists. Um, I've noticed you do a lot on Facebook. Um, what What's your uh, I guess I'm going to throw this out to each of you, but Matt first, because I've noticed you doing so much on Facebook. Um, how do you kind of allocate your social media, like where you put your efforts and that stuff? And, and what kind of returns have you seen on that? Uh, I can tell you, man, right now it's really tough because I feel like, and, and, and Wells, I definitely would be interested to hear your thought on this too. I feel like every bit of social media and every bit of promotion right now is against this small guy trying to get their information out there. Um, we do um, Facebook promoting. We do Instagram promoting. We do a lot less on Twitter slash X right now than we used to, because especially now there's not a whole lot of return and a lot of visibility out there. Um, we do email marketing. We've got a pretty decent sized uh, email list that we've built up uh, from doing shows. Um, we do uh, backer kit launch to get back, get out there to our, uh, previous campaigns um but it's really tough it's really tough because one of the things that that makes it difficult in this industry is that with so many people out there creating and so few ways to get the word out if something works everybody by nature is going to do it or gravitate towards it which is what you would expect mm -hmm. so then what happens is that area becomes flooded it becomes white noise and the thing that used to work like say you go and put a post on Facebook a certain way and somebody sees it works for you, then there's going to be 50 people doing the same post. And then the potential buyer is just going to be like, let me just block all this stuff. 
or I'm getting 50 emails from Kickstarter backers or from Kickstarter campaigns that, that somebody's backed. So it makes it difficult to cut through, but you just have to keep trying. You can't ever sit back and go, I'm going to throw my hands up and I just have to stop trying because if you stop trying, that is guaranteeing that your campaign mm -hmm. is going to get buried. You just have to just keep, keep chipping away and hope that that word gets out there to somebody. Cause you know what? At the end of every single campaign we've ever done, there's somebody within the last, like the day or two after they're like, oh man, I didn't realize you guys were running a campaign. And I'm like, how, how is this possible? We have <laughs> over promoted oh, yeah. this. We've over promoted and you're one of those people we promoted to. How come, how did it not get to you? But it's, you know, reaches is squashed by everybody. So mm. yeah, Wells, I'm interested in your thought on this too. No, I'm I'm very much in the same boat. Uh, historically, Twitter has been very good for us, but in as recently as the last two three weeks, uh, engagement has dropped off a cliff, and it's been it's been hard to get uh, those numbers and that uh, interest back from the Twitter algorithm. So we're we're looking elsewhere. Uh, Substack has been good for us. We have a newsletter there. Uh, that's a very like direct contact is obviously the best thing you can do. Um, and, and we do as much of that as we can. We have, like he said, uh, backer kit, uh, launch, uh, where we can connect directly with our backers. We use Kickstarter, the medium itself as much as possible. Um, we collaborate with other campaigns that are, uh, currently running and, and cross promote that way to try it. Cause I don't know exactly, you know, how many of my, you know, followers, even see my post, let alone are willing to go to Kickstarter. But 100% of the people who have backed someone else's Kickstarter are on Kickstarter. So that's one of the key places I try and go. Um, other than that, yeah, uh, I've been experimenting with Facebook a little bit. I want to try threads, you know, I want to try enough of threads to, to see if it's worth actually putting anything into. Instagram, I've never had much luck with, uh, but who knows? Um, I think it's just putting as much out there as possible and, and trying to, yeah, rise above the noise. And that is easier said than done for sure. Uh, Wells, what's your, uh, what's your, what's your sub stack under? Uh, it is under my name, Wells Thompson. Um, at Wells Thompson, sh it should be. Uh, let me make absolutely sure of that. But the uh, thing, the, the, uh, newsletter is called comics, cats and cocktails. Uh, yep. At Wells Thompson, comics, cats, and cocktails. We have 500 subscribers. Uh, we're gonna add a bunch more once we get the uh thing out, the uh surveys out for the last Kickstarter that we did. But um, yeah, that's a great way to make sure that you're getting uh you're getting previews of of pages that I'm doing. You're getting the scoop on on what we're working on. You, people who you know are on there, knew about the Catskin and the Rose, knew about Depths, knew about Frankenstein the Unconquered way before people on Twitter did. Because uh, we kept on giving snippets and revealing covers and, and just giving them that information first. Um, yeah, that, that, that's been really good for us. And I definitely recommend uh, using... I, I recommend both. If you're, if you're a creator, use Substack. And if you're a, uh, a, someone who enjoys... Uh, the indie comic community uh, from a partaking standpoint, get on Substack, follow some newsletters because it's it's a really great way to connect with uh, your favorite writers, artists, everything.
And one of the things that's interesting about Substack, I mean, that's where everything we do as far as our email list goes now, because we used to be, um, you know, religious users of MailChimp. Yeah. And, and MailChimp earlier this year with a two week notice went from you being able to send out free emails to your entire base to where you could send out two emails to 500 people in your base a month without getting charged. And for us, I mean, that includes people that have unsubscribed. So for us, it would have been $27 a month to send a single email to our email base. And I think that that's when everybody moved to Substack. So, yep. So yeah, so we're on Substack as well. It's the Insymmetry Creations blog of destiny. So uh, yeah, that's where all of our stuff is. And we'll make sure that uh, that you can uh, get over there to that as well, Wells. But yeah, that's having it, having an email list where you can contact people that have been at your booth at shows that have yeah. come to you and said, we want no information. You got to try and find a way to get to every one of those people. Yeah. And um, before we came onto this broadcast, you know, we talked about how right now the dead zone for Kickstarter starts earlier. It ends later and it's deeper and more just desolate than ever. And so you need to be doing promoting before the campaign. You need to be reaching mm. out to people and making sure that people are are ready to back and give them incentives to back immediately. And then you have to work your butt off in the middle, whether it be doing shows like this, whether it be doing live shows, because there will be a group of people that are going to come back in that, I don't even want to say 48 hours. I think a lot of times they said that last day, 28 mm-hmm. to 24 hours. Um, but you have to be keep working it because if you just sit there and twiddle your thumbs, they're going to go to somebody else's campaign and they're not going to go to yours. And it doesn't mean that they won't go to theirs and yours, Mm -hmm. but if you're not giving them a reason to also go to yours, they're going to save that money and go spend it on something else. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. I've I've heard the, I mean, you just, there's a, there's a sales principle that someone needs to like see something X amount of times before they even know it's there. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's something that's easy to forget because you're constantly putting out the message and you feel like people are getting sick of it, but very often they haven't seen it or, uh, or they're still, uh, looking, uh, what do you, they're, uh, or they, they, they have seen it, but they haven't decided whether or not they're going to commit to it yet. And they need to see it a few more times before they go, oh yeah, I should, I should give that a try. Ah, there we go. So I think we both have our sub stacks in the the back chat there now. Mm-hmm. We'll throw that into our comments here. So yeah, so one of the things that uh, with Steph and myself, um, we do a lot more than just write comics. As we, we told you earlier, um, I'm a metal musician and always try to tie metal music back into what we do. Steph is a, um, a uh, published columnist. She has got over 80 bylines with Fangoria, Horror Geek Life, Creepy Kingdom, um, uh, and some others that are out there. So she does like movie reviews of uh, indie horror movies and then uh, retro articles on, you know, it's the 35th anniversary of Mad Max or it's the 20th anniversary of this. So she's got a lot of other articles out there. Um, I do a lot of panel hosting and emceeing at, um, at conventions. Uh, we'll be at Ocala Comic Con this week. I'm not doing anything except for one panel at that one, but then we'll be at the Spookala Festival, which is a horror convention, in um, it's starting beginning of October, and doing all the all the panel hosting there, all the emceeing for the event. 
So we try to make sure that we are uh, in as many different realms of pop culture as we can be so that, um, you know, you never know who's going to be somebody that's going to want to show support for you. We know we're not just, we're not just in comics. We're in comics. We have music. Uh, Steph has articles. We've got panel hosting and MC. We're trying to do as much as we can. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to to uh, approach it. I remember when I was on Kickstarter, I was really trying to reach out to people in like the gaming section of Kickstarter, thinking like there's got to be a lot of good overlap between comic people, gaming people. Um, and I think what you're doing with music and the horror stuff, there's a ton of overlap there as well. So, uh, I mean, there's there's a market for indie comics. I feel like sometimes there's you know, almost like, especially when you're in the middle of the campaign, you're like not getting any backers. You feel like you've reached everyone you can. Um, and that's when I really started thinking like, okay, what other people are open to comics, but don't necessarily check this every day. Um, and I think it's great when people are checking out other ways to kind of reach out to what I guess would call adjacent communities for sure um, that would be down with stuff. Um, and it's, it's also great, you know, with indie comics, we can do other genres. It's not just superheroes. Mm. It's not just sort of science fiction. You've got horror, you've got musical inspired stuff um it's just a lot of different genres it's wide open it kind of feels like the indie comic scene of the 80s a little bit and uh i think in addition to that being just giving us a wealth of different material um i think it gives a lot gives us a lot of opportunities to reach out to those other those other kind of circles of fandom uh which is a great thing for for comics i think ultimately well one of the things that was interesting for us the the tagline for heirs of a sealed door uh, is where steampunk comics and metal collide. As you saw in the video, we always had the, the steampunk look going on. And uh, there was a time where we did a lot of steampunk festivals and the demographic for steampunk shows is a lot older. And we had a period of time where we had sold more metal albums to senior citizens <laughs> than to metal fans. And I mean, the absolute truth and the reason being was because um, I remember one time we did a show and there was a guy that rolled up on his lark. He rolled up and he backed up. He's like, tell me about this stuff. And we told him about what we had. And he's like, you know what? I want one of everything. And we're like, okay, that's cool, man. But just, just so you know, this is a metal CD over here. It's pretty heavy. Um, and he's like, I don't care what it is. I like you guys. I want to support you. But we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, before he went and threw that into his, uh, into the CD player on his lark or something like that and scared his neighbors that he knew what he was getting into. But yeah, you know, you never know what the cross the cross mm -hmm. branding of your market is going to be. Um, the steampunk people loved the fact that we had comics. The metal people loved that we the fact that we had comics. Um, you know, and the comic people loved that we expand the what we do out past the pages of the books, so that that way the story doesn't disappear. They can go in. Uh, we had a character in Tales from Nocturnia that literally was only in for a few panels, but we wanted to. We felt like that guy had a backstory that needed to be explored. So we just made the lyrics to one of the songs on our last album, um, his backstory. So if you really wanted to know about that character, you could go see what was going on with him in that, that song lyric, something we felt like was not going to be um, appropriate to put in the book just because it would have been just a weird deviation that really wouldn't have gone mm -hmm. on with the plot. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's one of the great things about, uh, especially with August, I was looking for other ways to make it more than a comic, uh, at least in a meta way. And I think back at the, the 80s cartoons I grew up with that I was really basing a lot of August on, you didn't just have the cartoon or a comic book. You had a movie, you had toys, you had lunchboxes. It really surrounded you. And I think it gave you, uh, there's something that's a lot more sticky about a concept, I think, when it's just entering your life in so many different ways. 
you've got, you know, you just really live with it and it's on your mind a lot more. And I think it just makes the world seem a lot richer uh, in every single way it's expressed. So it's really cool. Um, and that's, again, that's something indie comics right now, we have great opportunities to do that. So it's really fun to, um, to talk to people and see people doing really making the most of that. And I think you guys do that. For sure. I'm going to start investing in Frankenstein, the Unconquered Lunchboxes. Hey, I think that'd be good. If you can <laughs> find a way that I have to I get a thousand of them, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do August Lunchboxes so bad. Um, oh, Lord. But I wanted to be like the really, so I don't know how many, I haven't bought a Lunchbox in a long time, but the ones I had when I was a kid, there was your sticker plastic ones, and those were nice. But the really cool ones were like metal. The illustrations were embossed. I mean, I don't know how in God's name that was cost effective. But um, that's what I would really love to do someday. <laughs> I had the coolest Transformers launch box, and that would be just the perfect thing. And I think it really, it makes every part of your story, I think, shine a little bit more. You've just got a greater connection to it. Um, it activates some nostalgia a little bit. But, I mean, it just really, um, it, it also lets you explore different parts of your story, I think, in the way that's best for them. Um, like where you said, like, it would have been clunky in the story but you can explore it in the uh, music and it works out really well. That's what we hope. That's the way that we hope that people are going to see it for sure. So Wells, I have a question for you. So you said that these two comics that you you have on the, the uh, on Kickstarter right now, which I see is also a project we love. Congratulations. Thank you. you yeah, both, I saw you said, that on yours as well. You said both of these are 40 pages. What about the first two issues? How many pages were those? Oh, so the, no, they're, they're 20 pages each for a combined 40 pages. All of them are uh, 20 pages each. So you have a combined one through four is 80 pages so far. Uh, there's also on the first two, and we're hoping to continue the trend. Uh, we have four page uh, prose short stories as well. So you have additional back matter there uh, that sort of fleshes out the world of Frankenstein the Unconquered. Uh, so yeah, if you're, it, we were inspired by that sort of Conan the Barbarian era pulp and we wanted to sort of bring a, a more of a texture to the, uh, work. So, uh, if you're a fan of that kind of thing, yeah, it's, it's absolutely something we wanted to keep alive. And it sounded like when you were doing the pitch, um, you had the same kind of thought process that we did where, you know, we could have split up Ian Keto into multiple issues, but we said, you know what? Mm -hmm. We would rather take we would rather take the hit and take the chance, do it as one book. The economy is tough right now, um, and and if we do it all at one shot, then people can get this entire arc right now, and they only get to have to pay shipping one time. Exactly. And that was a that, that was, was a big, big thing. part for us. Was was, was you know uh, cutting down on shipping costs, making sure that people uh, were able to to get in at you know for as much story as possible, as low a price as possible. And uh, yeah, just trying to uh, tell our story faster because the, the nature yes. of Kickstarter publishing is that, you know, you have 30 day chunks that you're doing it, but you also have, you know, uh, the the weeks and months that it takes to, to build all the assets for it and to, to prepare it the couple of weeks beforehand that you're promoting it for the pre-launch. Uh, the aftermath, try, like after you're done uh, putting everything together and, and uh, what it uh, putting everything together, uh, doing fulfillments, that all takes time. And there's only so many uh, Kickstarter campaigns you can do in a year. Uh, yes. You know, we we are looking to do five this year. We're looking to do, we're hoping to be able to do six next year. Um, 
But realistically, there's not much more you can do with that. I mean, if you're, no, if you're really know. confident and a bit mad, you can do a seventh one over Christmas, but that is, that's hard to do. Uh, and I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, we were just, we, we, we want to tell this story and we wanted to it quickly enough that people don't have to stick around for years at a time to be able to get to the end of this, uh, this arc, this story. Yeah, and it's it's tough too because you know your fan base is only going to be able to support so many books in a year, whether it's mm -hmm. yours or something else's. And when they go back and look at their budget, they're like, "Holy crap! I spent this. I've got to cut it back somewhere." Um, you know, we back a lot of digitals um, just because we're like, you know what? We'd rather I'd rather personally back three campaigns digitally. Um, and know that they, that every one of those is directly going to the creator, mm -hmm. then know that I'm helping to fund the USPS. Nothing against the Postal Service, because we all need the Postal Service. Right. But if I'm backing a campaign, I would much rather know that that the creators, which are just like us, are the ones getting that money. Absolutely. Um, that doesn't mean I don't want people to get our physical products, yeah. but we want to make sure that, that our money is going to help creators as well. That's, and I'll say honestly, um, one of the things, Ben, you asked earlier, um, Steph and I set out, a very long ago uh, this is actually our 10th campaign of ours and our 12th that we've actually either run for ourselves or run for someone else and we've said hey if we're going to have an advertising budget we're not going to do facebook ads we're not going to do instagram ads our advertising budget is going to be co-branding with other creators is going to mm -hmm. be backing other creators um, so that that way we know that they're going to help they're going to get supported and that's going to help our name to get out there into this community that needs for it to be. Cause you go buy a Facebook ad and you might get people yeah. that are going to back your product. But you know what, if you're not Keanu Reeves and you're not somebody that's got a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollar campaign, that's going to cross over so many different genres. Um, that Facebook ad might fall on deaf ears and it's literally just going to fund the machine. It's not going mm -hmm. to help out those, those small creators yeah. like yourself that really need that money because you know what? Wells Thompson, if he gets 30 bucks, he's going to be doing headstands in his kitchen a little bit later you on. better believe it. If Facebook, Every time. if Facebook gets 30 bucks, that's going to be like the equivalent of like a grain of dust. <laughs> they are not going to care about that. Mm -hmm. No, I 100% I agree. I, uh, I do everything I can to support as many uh, people as possible. It's not as many as I would like. There are some campaigns that come and go that I'm like, I would love to do that, but I just don't. They have to eat this month. Uh but yeah, no, it's 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 very much a we're all in this together kind of environment, which is is something I really genuinely love about uh, the indie comic scene. Uh, we all know the struggle, and we all are trying to help each other. And we all, I've I've heard it said that we're all just passing around the same dollar, but I don't believe that. I think that I don't believe that at all either. I think that we we give no, to each other really. because we're fans, and by doing that, we. Uh, by by being enthusiastic, by being loud, there are people around us who say, oh, that must be a really cool thing. I'll give my dollar as well. well and yeah. you bring a lot more energy with you than just your own participation. And I can tell you, I can tell you that, yes, there are some dollars that get passed around within the creators. But you know what? I guarantee you that if you look at the people that have backed your campaign, that not all of them are creators. You've got fans oh, yeah. that are just collectors. Same with us. And we know for a fact that there are times that our backers that we know are our super backers that we brought onto the platform have then gone and become super backers of other campaigns. We've seen them drop Absolutely. big funds on others. And that's the whole point. If we're not out here helping each other, mm -hmm. then 
there's no way that our backers are going to know about you and vice versa. Yeah, 100%. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with yeah. you. Uh, one of our biggest uh, uh, advertising uh, spaces, like I said before, is Kickstarter itself. We, we go to other creators that, that have similar projects to ours, and it's not a competition. It's a, hey, how can we help each other? Benjamin, you wanted to say something? Oh, yeah. I just, uh, in uh, kind of keeping with um, ways to keep costs down and deliver as much value as we can to backers, um, Geek Collective, uh, this podcast is part of the Geek Collective Network, um, has a, uh, you can, a code you can enter at Gemini Comic Supply. Um, enter the code Geek Collective 10, you'll get 10% off the Gemini mailers. Um, I think we've all seen a ton of people posting, you know, I got this comic, but it was in a beat up bubble mailer, everything was bent. And, mm -hmm. uh, and you don't want to see that happen when you take so much time to work in your comics. So, um, you know, when you're putting together your campaign, uh, definitely this can help out, get those costs down just a little bit. Um, so head over there. Geek Collective I 10 is 100% uh, endorse uh, Gemini mailers. We've, we've used them since day one. Oh, I do too. And I've, I've never had a, a, you know, complaint of, oh, my comics were destroyed. Um, yeah, almost everyone is is happy with the condition their uh, comics come in, and it's it's because we pay the extra money to to make sure it's done right. So, I completely agree. We've even had times where somebody's bought twelve or fifteen comics from us because of different covers, and Gemini's are great to you know put some of them in one Gemini, some in another Gemini, tape those two Gemini's together, mm -hmm. send them out as one package. You're good to go. <laughs> good to hear. Well, guys, we're coming up in an hour, um, so we're going to wrap up. Uh, again, everybody, the links to these great campaigns are in the description uh, where you're watching this. Um, Frankenstein the Unconquered. And um, can, Matt, can you pronounce that again for me? I had another window open no with your it's I, campaign's it's I, name. It's I am Keto. So think about it like, uh, you know, key going in your door and like Play-Doh, Keto. Yeah. Matt sent me a link uh, in one of our communications saying, here's how you pronounce this. So I've been very nervous about mispronouncing it and because uh, my connection's been bad. I didn't want to leave that other window up and slow everything down. So uh, I did want to make sure we got that right. Well, guys, um, these campaigns look awesome. Um, I definitely, if you're into these genres, uh, you know, these are great creators. They've delivered a ton of campaigns um, and they're great storytellers. So check out these campaigns and uh, come back next week. We'll have some more creators on that you can check out their books. And uh, until next week, um, I, will, I will talk to you then. But, guys, thanks again for being on. And uh, this has been another episode of Explain Yourself. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Thanks for coming. <laughs>